Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Mana Podcast, Daily Bread for the Daily Christian. My name is Sam Jeske. I serve as one of the regular hosts of this podcast, pastor at Our Shepherd Lutheran Church in Crown Point, Indiana. And thanks for tuning in this Friday morning. Hope and pray you had a blessed Thanksgiving and maybe you got a chance to hang out with family, at the very least uh, catch up with them and connect with them over Zoom. Uh, whatever you ended up doing, I hope and pray that it was blessed. Um, this is uh, part four of a four-part dialogue between myself and my fellow co-host, Pastor Justin Shrum, on meta-narratives. Um, if you haven't listened to those first three episodes, I'd highly encourage you to do that. That's going to really lay the contextual groundwork for this final piece of the conversation on meta-narratives. And with that, I'm going to let Justin take it away. Like, really, what you were talking about were were concepts such as, you know, truth and then breaking that down between subjective truth versus objective truth. And you brought in this moral argument. Um, I, when you were talking about this, I kept having that quote that quote in my head from Jack, um, Jack Nicholson and a few good men. You yeah. want the truth. We deserve the truth. You can't handle the truth. Right. It's a, <laughs> the reality is, is that most people can't handle the truth. If, if right. we actually had a political leader or a teacher actually teach truth like objective truths that people think oh well everyone's basically good that is the least um that is the most subjective opinion and least objective opinion because i have a a a 16 17 month old son i don't have to teach him to to do what's right or i don't have to teach him to do what's wrong excuse me I, i have to teach him not to open the drawer that's got a bunch of glass in it i have to teach him not to chuck his water cup at mom's foot when he's done with it. Right. I have to teach him to do what's right. I don't have to teach him to do what's wrong or what not to do. I have to set boundaries. I have to set concrete boundaries, concrete truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and people are like, Oh, there's no such thing as, as objective truth, or you don't need objective truth. You could have subjective truth. And, and one of the funniest examples I saw was, um, or, or let me back up real quick. If there, if, if there is no such thing as objective truth and we don't need it, and it's all subjective truth, meaning I set the tone of truth then really the worldview and meta narrative that makes sense the most is, and if there is no grand designer of truth then the meta narrative that that and worldview that matters most and is most re- relevant is disorder and chaos yeah because then then the, everything goes out the window and and people like and, and I don't want to get too much into the political stuff right now but the concept <laughs> of um even though we've been talking about it but um what was it um what was that um the name of that place and what was it in portland um chaz chaz right the capital so everyone, autonomous zone yeah, yeah. The, the autonomous zone right um they have they have that right and and everything was good they're like get out of here police do all this and blah 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 and then all of a sudden you have this rapper who has various <laughs> weapons coming on the scene that says you know if people don't do this then i put a gun in their face and i tell them you're going to do this or this is what's going to happen to you so immediately within a in a self autonomous zone where everyone can just do whatever they want and they're not bound by the fascist organization of law enforcement you have someone arising from within the organization to create authority and to create the standard and they just so happened to like like chaz eventually dissipated right but it was already starting to do that initially from within before the out external forces come in and dismantle it. Right. But they, it was already starting to create this standard. Well, no, wait a minute. We need to have somebody who's going to come in and like, make sure we don't start killing each other. Right. And that started to happen. They, they started to become violent toward one another. And so really, I mean, when Jay, you brought up Jay Warner Wallace, um, he, he talks about what motivates all people. Mm-hmm. 
he says there's three motives yep. that that move people, right? And those motives are are greed, sex, and power. Yep. Right. And that's the basis. That is the motive for every single infraction or crime everywhere. It's it's what motivates us as human beings. And the thing that transcends that concept is Christianity, because I lack zero power. Right. I can proclaim the gospel to somebody, but I can't make them believe. Right. You know, I, I they offer zero benefit. It doesn't if, if it doesn't if their conversion doesn't give me any power. Their conversion doesn't gratify me sexually. Their conversion doesn't put money in my pocket or, or allow me to be like a quadrillionaire. Now, I can deceive them. I can, I can bring that motive of greed into the worldview of Christianity and warp the message. Mm-hmm. That's entirely possible. But the, the specific message of Jesus, go into all the world and make disciples of everyone, baptizing and teaching, that 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 motivation transcends human motivation. It transcends the the human heart, the 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 narrative, the meta narrative of the human heart that 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 um, I gr- I grieved when I looked at humanity at what I had made because their thoughts and hearts are evil all the time. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. We don't want a standard of truth because if there's a standard of truth, it means we're held accountable to that standard right, of truth. Right. And right. Right. It all goes back to it goes back to authority and authenticity. You want mm-hmm. the truth, you can't handle the truth. The truth is, is there is an objective truth. It's wrong objectively for me to murder somebody. It's wrong objective for me to rape somebody. It's wrong objectively for me to have mass genocide of a, patif- a, a certain ethnic group. Why is that wrong? Right. And, and it has to be something that's above and beyond myself or every other human being. It has to be a specific standard. Because if you say, well, it's wrong because it impacts everybody else and, you know, it doesn't necessarily need yeah. to be objective truth. Well, if that's your subjective truth and you say it's wrong because it affects other people, my subjective truth means I'm going to sneak into your house while you're asleep and steal all your stuff. Yeah. The, the other way you could say, and again, this is just a, we touched on this, like, and if you're, if you're listening to this, um, um, Justin and I did a three part dialogue on, um, uh, oh, giving a reason. Uh, I think I titled the episode, uh, a reason defense for the hope that we have. Right. Um, and, um, so that's a three part dialogue. Check that out. If you really like what, what we're riffing on right now. Um, but, um, this goes back to one thing that we touched on in the last, uh, way back, um, when you and I sat down last time that reading, reading morality from nature, um, and the danger of doing that. Um, um, I think for the, for the atheist, um, for the, for someone whose meta narrative is not, is, is, uh, predicated on, like you said, kind of Darwinian theory or um, evolutionary process, nature is red in tooth and claw. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this things like that happen in the animal kingdom all the time, where where the strong impose themselves on the weak and take from the weak, if not take the weak. <laughs> um, right. And that that happens all the time. And there's no there's no moral dimension to that. Um, from a Christian perspective, we just we we can only say along with you know Paul in the Book of Romans that all of creation has been groaning in sin since the fall into sin. Yeah. Um, um, so certainly these are these are hallmarks to the imperfection and the sinfulness in the world in which we live. Um, but if I'm going to 
say um, as a, uh, you know, on the assumption, you know, like say, like somebody is arguing from an atheistic uh, Darwinian perspective that it's wrong for me to, um, uh, to take advantage of the weak or to exert my, um, my privilege over those who are less fortunate, um, all for the sake of me getting ahead, that that would be greedy and corrupt and cruel and evil. And yet it happens in the animal kingdom it, all the time. It, it happens in the animal <laughs> kingdom all the time. It happens in the animal kingdom all the time. So um, it's, if we want to say that, so clearly, um, again, we betray our worldview, and I say we very generally, when we, when, when we argue that there is no God at the center of our meta narrative, and yet we then utilize what, um, <laughs> um, when we utilize framework that only is afforded um, on a Christian, uh, that is only afforded from a Christian narrative, a Christian worldview. Um, it's as uh, William Lane Craig once said, it's, uh, well, actually, I don't think he said it, somebody else did, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's paying for dinner with a stolen credit card. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> and just little, these little cute little one-liners that just say, they just say it so, so beautifully and so, you know, with such wit and, <laughs> but well, and uh, yeah. That's he speaking of William Lane Craig, he had a he had a uh, video YouTube debate with an, an atheist and basically said it just doesn't make sense to me that how an atheist can say there is no such thing as an uh, objective morality. And so the guy, the gay challenged back and said, well, um, you know, look at look at children. Um, they they when they make a decision, they don't make a moral decision when when they they hit somebody else. Or when they do something, they're ignorant of what the standard of what a standard of truth might be for them. They're not accountable for that because they lack the knowledge. They're ignorant of the fact. Right. And so that, that was his argument. And, you know, William Lane Craig and I didn't watch the whole thing, but he eventually calls him out on it. And I and I agreed with his assessment, whether or not someone possesses the knowledge of if it's a right or a wrong or not doesn't determine if the thing itself is right, or, right wrong. or wrong. Kind of like somebody speeding, for example, you're you know, you know, the the, the police officer who pulls you over. Um, you know, so do you know why he pulled you over? And you might say, I have no idea, but it doesn't matter. It, it, it does not, it does not matter at that point. I mean, and again, I'm, I'm setting aside, you know, cases where say abuse of police power, let's just say in an ideal situation where clearly the wrong was on the person pulled over. Um, um, it's, these are necessary qualifications in the time in which we live. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) lest the illustration be lost. Um, with, um, you know, obviously some, some real things that people are, are grappling with and experiences that people had. But in the case of, you know, officer pulls you over because you were speeding, you know, it doesn't matter if you say, I have no idea why, why you pulled me over, let alone how fast I was going. You know, right. you could be going 70 and the speed limit was 35. And you could say, well, officer, I didn't know. And chances are he's still going to write you up and give you a ticket. My right. ignorance to what the law says doesn't, I'm not then exempt from that. But then it also assumes that, um, and this obviously gets to matter, you know, discussions of Romans 1 and Romans 2, right? Oh, yeah, um, Where the natural, God's natural law is written on our hearts and our consciences bear witness to that fact. Um, right. So and, that people are left without excuse. Right. And you, and you have that, you have that um, meta-narrative understanding when i mean for instance it, let's say someone does say, say well no i disagree with that altogether right i disagree that someone 
Um, and I think I think that's the that's the point that Paul's anticipating in Romans two. Um, also, whether you sin apart from the law or under the law, the point is is that you still sin against the law, right? right? Regardless know the law because it was the written moral code that he actually gave to the Jews or whether it was um, the the um, r- law he wrote on the human heart, which is what he gets at with the Gentiles and how they didn't have the actual law. But and they yet still... they were still a law unto themselves. Right, right. He still points that out. So let's let's put that in the subjective context instead of an objective context. Right. If you if a person says if a child does something that's wrong and they're not they don't know what's wrong, did they really do something that was wrong? Right. They're basing it off of the child's ignorance of the fact. Mm-hmm. Let's subjective way. Let's say that um, a child picks up a handgun that dad has in the house and shoots another child in the head with it, right? He doesn't know that it's a real gun. He doesn't know that it's loaded. He doesn't know that it has the potential to do that unless, you know, he watches cartoons and then he sees like Iron Man shooting somebody else and the guy evaporates or whatever. But he, he, he doesn't know. He's ignorant of the fact, right? If you're the mother of that other child, are you going to tell that little kid, oh, no, because he didn't know, no consequence should happen for this child or the parents or at all. We should just, you know, kind of say, well, it stinks. The situation's awful. And and we're just going to move on. I'm going to bury my son that just got shot by this other kid, even though it was a real gun. And the kid didn't know it was a real gun and didn't know anything about it. No consequence should happen because he didn't know that what he was doing was wrong. No. Right. You're going to pursue legal recourse. There's going to be some ramifications, either for the child or for the parents or or somebody. They don't just say, oh, well, a murder happened and we're just going to slide it under the rug. You might not classify it as a murder. You may call it involuntary manslaughter. You may, the, the legal system would determine um, whatever the, the specific charge would be. But we don't just sweep it under the rug and say, oh, no law was broken. No moral um, standard was violated here just because of a place of ignorance. Right. right. It's the it's the same standard. You might we might say that a person is a person is ignorant of a specific truth, but it doesn't ne- uh, nullify the standard of truth. Right. And when we're talking about that, you know, meta narratives within our society today and how that functions, um, we, it, it filters through a lot. And, and we've been going on for a while now. So there are specific references that we could touch on. That's like propel us forward for like another two hours, three hours. Right. An episode for another day. So like, write it down and (laughs) we're at an hour 40 right now. (laughs) There there is no, there is no such thing. People want to say, when we talking about the truth, I guess, let me summarize my thoughts. Talking about the truth, subjective truth could be a a meta narrative because it runs alongside of the concept of truth. And one can say, well, objective truth is really the the meta narrative because you're trying to say that there's this moral standard and I'm kind of trying to live my life. Well, the fact is, is that there is a such thing as truth, right? If, if you're awake, you're not asleep. If you're asleep, you're not awake. If you're, if you're not wet, then you're dry. If you're, if you're, (laughs) if you are wet, then you're not dry. Yeah. Right. If, if my skin tone and my nation of origin is not from Africa, I'm not African. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm whatever else I am, that, that that's an actual objective truth. Yeah, you're you're dealing with the law of non-contradiction, right? And this this bears to be <laughs> true. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, apologetic puns. Um, it bears uh, it bears uh, to be true in so many aspects. Uh, I, well, <laughs> um, so uh, there are. It's kind of like um, I had a conversation with a. Um, you're dealing with a lot of this 
this uh, the appeal of relativism, where I get to define what is. Reality is defined by me. Um, so morality or purpose or meaning or this, 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 or um, it's all defined by what I say. Um, very circumstantial, relativistically driven definitions. And that sounds really appealing at face value, but then how do you, um, what happens when, when my definition of what is real or true competes with somebody else's? Or when a husband and a wife enter a marriage with two completely different definitions of what does it mean to love, then who is right? Whoever wins the argument, whoever doesn't end up on the couch, like, you know, who wins? Um, and whoever so doing the dishes. Yeah, whoever 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 ends up doing the dishes loses, right? Um, right. But but the, what what ends up what ends up happening is we we find we find this to be the case so quickly in our lives that there is this either or not a not a both and. Um, it, it's it it um it's one or the other, like you said. I'm either um like you said I I'm I'm either uh, um German <laughs> as a Jeski or I'm <laughs> or I'm not <laughs> or I'm something else. It, it's right. I, I can't I can't be the both end. Um, right. Now I, I, I maybe that's not the greatest example because I, I am both German and Dutch. So but in the case of um, present like um, that would be an example. I could conceivably be both of these things. But dealing with the law of non-contradiction, um, it this especially when you're dealing with meta narratives, I can't I can't simultaneously say. Um, you know, the meta narrative of the world is whatever people want it to be. Right. Um, that's that's invoking an objectivity while also simultaneously evoking a subjectivity. Um, Ravi Zacharias had he was in a similar um, he um, well, I'll give you an example from from me first and then I'll go to the greater example from Ravi. He um, uh, there was somebody who was talking with me about this and we were, we were literally having this conversation and they said to me, well, you're just you know, you're you're just that you're just speaking from a Western perspective and Westernism um, actually, I mean, you'll see right now, in fact, it's actually attributed as something that some are considering to be white privilege or an aspect or an attribute of, or an adjective of white privilege is the utility of um, logic and reason as kind of a guiding light for navigation. And we're totally seeing the, the, um, that we are very much, you know, with, with postmodernism comes also a, a post-truth um, society as well. And I suppose we kind of talked about that. We're not just uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, post-rational, you might say. Um, but anyway, this, this person is leveraging against me, you know, that the worldview or the, kind of the arguments that I presented, while they sound very logically airtight, I'm approaching things from a Western perspective, which predicates itself on, on you know, the law of non-contradiction and the use of reason and rationality. And, and I waited until she was done. And I just said, are you finished? And she said, yes. And she said, are, is the response that you're expecting from me, are you expecting a coherent one or an incoherent one? <laughs> and, and she just had this look of, like she was mortified and I didn't say it to like be snarky or anything, but, but to highlight the point of, you can't, you know, this, this both and game where, where as soon as the rules of the game do not play to your benefit, then you just change the rules of the, of the conversation or you change the rules of the meta narrative entirely. Right. Where it's right. like, on the one hand, the rule is it, um, there must be a coherency to the worldview in which you present. Okay. Well, here's my coherency. Suddenly, no, 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 no. The rules are, they don't have to be coherent. It can be whatever you want it to be. 
And again, just the shifting of the goalpost, you see this happen a lot. It happened with um, Ravi had given a presentation. I don't remember exactly where, but there was a, a professor of philosophy who came up to him who was Hindu. And he said he wanted to he wanted to do a pre he wanted to kind of have a, a dialogue or kind of a back and forth with him on why he this philosophy professor renounced his Christian faith and became Hindu, as opposed to Ravi Zacharias. He wondered, you know, I, I can't believe that, you know, you didn't represent Hinduism right, and if if anybody you know truly knew Hinduism, they blah 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 blah. And so Ravi said, okay, you and I will, or this guy asked him, could you and I go out and get lunch, and have a discourse on this. And this Hindu philosopher said that you know you have you have you have two kinds of logic, which there are obviously uh, many many more modes of logic. But um, he said there are two kinds of logic. There's the law of non-contradiction. It's either this or that, or it's your more Eastern mode of logic or the Eastern mode of thinking, where it could be the both and. It doesn't have to be either or. It could be both and. And he said, um, <laughs> I you know it's just so witty. Um, he said. Um, that's why, that's why, you know, your talk of your insistence on everything being the either or, um, you're, you're framing the debate. It doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. And Ravi said, well, how come I, well, why can't I use the either or and the both and? <laughs> why, you know, why is it, why, why must I use um, either the either or or the both and? And why, I, why can't I use the either or and the both and? And the Hindu philosopher said, the either or does seem to surface, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it's like right. It's it it just an argument. Yeah, right. It, <laughs> it does. That's my way of thinking. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Exactly. And he said, and he and he made a, he made the point of, um, you know, even in India, um, we look at we both we look both ways before we cross the street because it's either me or the bus. <laughs> and, right. and but but the, the the thing is is that the the appeal of either or 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 both and rather the appeal of both and when it comes to discussing what meta narratives are or what is my meta narrative or discussions of truth or reality um or the nature of god who god is and um what is god like um there is something very appealing to the e the both and kind of the relevant the the subjective relativistic approach to these things it, it sounds really really appealing that i get to be sovereign um over reality that i'm the author of of uh, what is true and uh, I am the foundation, the bedrock upon what is good and right and ethical and virtuous. And that all sounds great. Um, but the, such subjectivity is so, is fraught with problems and inco inconsistencies and incoherencies. And like I said, it, it sounds great, but it, it sets you up for a life of angst and what was it Luther said, Anfektung, you know, the, the, that word that he made up for kind of this, the pain, the hurt in his heart. Oh, um, yeah. And, the word. right, I think that that was what Martin Luther referred to it. But, but that's literally, that's, that's literally what, what people set themselves up for, you know, the, the, the deceptiveness of relativism and you get to determine what is right and wrong and you are the foundation of good and evil. It sounds yeah. appealing and it might, you know, it, it's one of those things. I mean, it, <laughs> it, um, it sounds, it sounds logical, but what it, or not even logical, it sounds good. I won't even say it sounds logical because it throws logic clearly out the window. But on an existential level, it, 
it rears its ugly head every second of every day. We just maybe don't entertain the logical outcomes of these worldviews to their, their possible extent or the, the ultimate extent. Um, because then there, there would really be nothing that would, that would keep me, as you said before, from, from going over to my neighbor's house and taking their car. And they could say, that's not fair, that's mine. And I would say, well, says who? Says you? Well, I say I need it more than you. Yeah. I, well, I, I you know. that I have the receipt. Well, I don't care. I need it more. Yeah, right. And the, the whole concept of you know receipts, and it doesn't matter if you bought it. I have determined by virtue of who I am in the position of life that I'm in that I need this more than you. And my need trumps your ownership. Yep. And and so in and that and now we're uh, this is this is literally the the conversations that people are having right now. So while you hear these conversations in the political sphere, all of these conversations invoke a meta narrative. And all of them are, in some respects, philosophical in nature, where they are appealing to something. Um, they're building off of some meta narrative in order to leverage their arguments. But um, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, really, what you were talking about, it kind of you know goes back to the garden when when the serpent says to Eve, "Did God really say?" You know, it's it's that. That's that authority of you're the one that has the authority over your own life. God's withholding something from you. He's withholding right. the potentiality for you to be autonomous. <laughs> with, right. And you be the sole authority of what's good and evil and what is true and what is false. He doesn't want you to be like that. Right. And and the, 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 the woman, the woman says, you know, well, I see that it looks good. So the argument's very appealing. It could be beneficial. You know, if I carry out the act, I, I could reap some type of benefit from it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so I'll go over and I'll take from the tree and I'll eat it and then I'll give it to my husband. Right. So that's that's what she does. That's really the argument. And when you're talking about, you know, authority and standards of truth and like that's really, you know, the topic of what we're getting into with what what you're what you believe to be yours may be yours but if i have a need more it trumps your your ownership that whole concept like we're getting into topics and and one of the biggest ones that i see now and it's very prevalent now um and it, again it goes back to identity and purpose is the idea of racism in the united states that's yeah. a huge hot topic hot button item right now not just politically um but societally um and and as as and and based off of humanity too, all of us would agree that racism is is wrong, right? And 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 it's not illegal, but it's wrong, right? You can be you can be a redneck and not like certain people, um, but unless you do something about it, and you and you say something that's hurtful that could be construed as I'm going to carry out more than just my belief about somebody, that's illegal, sure. But you holding your belief that you're superior to another. Um, is and while it may be wrong, it's not illegal, because if that really were the case, then um, people who cut another person off in traffic because they're going too slow thinks that their need to get to work or wherever they're going faster than the person was driving behind them <laughs> would be a problem, mm -hmm. right? So, so everyone believes that their situation, their context, their worldview, their meta narratives is better than than another person. And while racism we we acknowledge is wrong and evil, um, it, it's not illegal at, at its base level of concept. Um, but with that being said, what we define as racism now also in our, in our world today, how we define it 
has changed. Right. And that's a massive topic that, that we're, Sam and I are going to get into in the future because it, we can't fit it in in the next 20 minutes. No, no, we're, <laughs> no, we can't. But, but obviously that I guess kind of, kind of to wrap it up. I mean, as, as you kind of alluded, this, this whole discussion of meta narrative is, is one that while people might not hear the word meta narrative when they're going to, you know, maybe going to a grocery store, they're going to a Meyer or Kroger or, or pick and save or a CVS, um, they, uh, or a drive through at Burger King or Wendy's or something. Um, they're out at the mall shopping or they're, um, meeting up with friends at a bar or a restaurant or something. You're, you, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that because I will often have conversations like these, <laughs> but, but a lot of people might not have these kind of conversations. Um, you know, the conversations that are occupying, you know, uh, your newsfeed or Twitter or Instagram or, um, you know, the halls of a, of a restaurant or a bar or a pub or something are a lot of, a lot of political discourse and conversations like that. Or, um, people complaining about their boss and how their boss did something that was wrong, right? You know, we, we invoke language of right and wrong or what we should or shouldn't do, um, values and duties, um, um, the, the nature of truth, uh, you know, whether it be getting to the bottom of truth when it comes to, say, <laughs> you're suspicious of, of infidelity, right? Um, you know, you see this as the subject matter or the, 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 the plot to so many movies and stories is somebody wanting to find out the truth. Is this the truth? Whether it be, like you're saying, Jack Nicholson um, or uh, Nicholas Sparks, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, these stories of uh, wanting to get to the bottom of truth or, or discovering what is the truth and not, not, what, not, not the side of or the take or um, someone's slice of, you know, whatever they're trying to push, but what, what is actually real and true? Um, mm-hmm. We see this as we're trying to, um, as, as entities or, or organizations nationwide are, are counting and recounting and then recounting ballots in order to ensure that, um, that this election or that the, the, pro- the, the voting process or all of this is, is fair. Um, why are people doing that? All of these things invoke a meta narrative. Um, it, it's getting, it, it's all getting at some type of meta narrative. And so while people might not use the word meta narrative, this is so common to mm-hmm. everyday life. And for the Christian um, who thinks that um, such conversations as this are beyond or, or beyond their reach or out of grasp or something, or they never, never have something like this, what's so beautiful about the Christian worldview, um, it's one that it did not unfold in a vacuum or a dark alley or a back corner. As the Apostle Paul said, no, this is one that intimately unfolded in time and space and real history. That there's not only um, a historic evidence that backs up and that backs up the events as cataloged in Old and New Testament Scripture, but there are secular, um, pagan, or Jewish, um, uh, non-Christian historians who catalog and corroborate the events as they unfolded in. Um, the Old and New Testament. Um, and that's pretty awesome that the Christian the Christian narrative is um, uh, is one that that is is quantifiable and verifiable. Um, but ultimate but but here's the really cool thing. it's it's exhaustive scope on the ability and versatility to answer questions of meaning, purpose, destiny, and origin. Um, why is something good? Um, uh, the nature of good and evil, 
Um, why, you know, why is there pain and suffering and tragedy in this world? Why is there death? Um, um, what do I do with my guilt? Um, is there life after death? What is my standing with God? How, do, how can I possibly be assured that I have a right, right, right standing with God? Um, does my God love me? Um, it is only the Christian meta narrative that exhaustively and comprehensively and um, uh, quite powerfully answers those the, you know answers those questions, but then also does so with a not not only giving you a comfort with its exhaustive scope, but comfort assuring you that you are not just a number to God. Kind of to bring it back to how you started this episode, Justin, is um, that you are a masterpiece. This beautifully and wonderfully made. Um, by a divine ar- artist who, while he had every right and reason to cast his sin-stricken piece of artwork aside and start over, he and said, no, I'm going to redeem my masterpiece. I'm going to redeem uh, my creation. I'm going to intimately enter it, die for it, save it, and I'm going to live for it, and I'm going to reign for it too. And uh, that's the God who not only holds us in his saving nail-pierced hands, but he holds uh, <laughs> our country and our world in this very tumultuous, fearful, anxiety-ridden time. Um, Jesus has got it. You know, um, the tomb is empty, the cross is empty, and uh, because he lives, we also will live too. Justin, you got any closing thoughts? You know, I can't I can't say it any better than our, our master craftsman, uh, Jesus, who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Um no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to know um, the master craftsman, the the painter, the one who made us, um, except through uh, that standard. Um, and when we when we talk about Jesus and we talk about meta narratives, and we talk about how um, um, you know about biases that people have that contribute towards their their standard of truth subjectively, um, we have to look at God and we have to look at our Savior. Um, and, and how Paul describes him as one who, who, um, who loved us and who died for us yet while we were still sinners, while we were still that, that broken masterpiece that he could have just thrown away, as you said, um, but instead mended and, and reformed and fashioned and made something even, even, uh, even greater and superior. Um, and because he has, because he takes the time, his, his bias is this, this is God's bias, you, that's God's bias. Everything he does is bent on reclaiming what was lost, to reshaping and reforming what has been disfigured and disformed by um, the ugliness of lies and deceit um, and subjective truth. Um, because the objective truth is that God didn't need to create us. He, he chose to. Just like um, a, a, a husband and wife choose to have um, choose to fulfill the desire to have children, right? They, they may not be able to, they might be a variety of things but um, that may prevent that, but they choose to want to have kids. They have the desire to have them. They don't need to have children. It doesn't um, establish the quality of their marriage or, or define their marriage. It's a, it's a part of their marriage and they, and they choose to have children. God chose to have us as his children. We, we are his bias. He does everything um, for us, for our benefit, and, and lays out this, this standard that is based off of his love and his grace and his goodness. And that's what we uh, wonderfully get to talk about on multiple occasions, including the next one. So. Yep. 
Well, that brings us to another episode of the Mana Podcast. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, if you found this enjoyable, be sure to share this with somebody who would like to hear this. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you again next week.